Good morning, church family. I'm glad we're here today. Glad that you have uh, taken the time to worship God with us today. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. If you want to mark that, we'll be there for a good bit of our lesson this morning. Uh, again, appreciate everyone being here. Glad that we can come together and to worship God. If you're using a pew Bible, Genesis chapter 12 starts on page number 8. Uh, page number 8 for Genesis chapter 12. Uh, this morning we're starting a new series called The Waiting Room, and I want to uh, tell you that uh, if you want some good ideas to come out of your ministry team, just send us to a Braves game. Uh, last year we went to a Braves game, Evan and I, and we came back with an entirely new uh, adult education program on our uh, five hours or so in the car back and forth to Atlanta, and then I think that uh, this time we came up with this uh, this series. So I want to uh, give honor and appreciation where it's due, so I want to thank Evan for his help with this, uh, this sermon and this sermon series, and if you don't like it it's his fault uh so there you go welcome uh to the waiting room uh we're thinking about this idea of what it does it mean to wait for the lord you know we just sang the song uh i will wait for the lord we sing the the other song that's the new a little bit newer version i will wait for you uh both of them beautiful songs but what does it mean what does it mean to wait for the lord what does that look like in, in our lives today. And over the next four weeks or so, Lord willing, uh, we'll take the time to consider and think about what does it look like? What does it mean for us to wait for the Lord? This morning, we're going to look specifically at the story, part of the story, not all of it, of Abram and Sarai or Abraham and Sarah. And we're going to look at uh, how they needed to wait and how sometimes they waited well and sometimes they waited not so well. And the reality is a lot of the same things that they did, we still do today. When we think that we're waiting, sometimes we're not really waiting the way that God would have us to. You know, I don't, I don't think, uh, and you come to me and afterwards and tell me if you, if you do enjoy this, but I don't think anybody likes to wait. Uh, we certainly live in a world today that uh, is instant gratification. What you want, you want it, you want it now, and you want it as soon as you can and as quickly as you can. Um, I was thinking about what, what does it look like to wait in our lives today? Uh, probably most of us at some point in our lives have been to a, a restaurant, a popular restaurant on a Friday night about uh, between 7 and 9 o'clock and you go and you're excited because you love this food. It's your favorite restaurant and you get there and the, hour, the wait is an hour or something like that. Uh, I think I must be in my, my twilight years because once it gets about twilight, I don't really go to sit-down restaurants anymore. I don't like waiting. I don't like waiting at restaurants. So if I'm eating out uh, outside of uh, if I'm eating out at all outside of our house uh, at night, uh, past 7 o'clock, it's usually fast food because I just don't like to wait. Uh, I don't mind going at lunch or we'll show up at the restaurants with a, a particularly uh, silver-haired crowd uh, about 5 o'clock and, and we'll eat then and, and that's perfectly fine with me. But once it gets about 6.30, 7 o'clock, I'm, I'm not waiting to sit at a restaurant. Nobody likes to wait. But we can recognize there's a difference between waiting for your favorite restaurant on a Friday night and waiting in a hospital waiting room, can't we? We know there's a difference between those types of waiting. Waiting for someone in the hospital emergency room while they've just been taken back through the ambulance and and the doctors are looking at them and maybe it's life-threatening, but you don't know what's going on. You, You know what it's like to wait perhaps when you or a family member or a loved one have received a diagnosis and you're waiting for what's next. You know the worry, you know the angst, you know the anxiety, you know all of the things that are going on and how difficult it is to wait. But even when things, even when we expect things to go well, we still often have a struggle with waiting. As we think about that this morning, if we think about uh, waiting even when we expect good things to happen. I think Abram 
and Sarai are a perfect example of that. So turn with me, if you will, again to Genesis chapter 12. Let's read verses 1 through 4. We're going to jump back and forth to a couple of different places. But again, if you'll keep your, uh, your finger in Genesis chapter 12, we'll be right around there talking about Abraham and Sarah a good bit. Uh, again, for those of you who may be unfamiliar with it, Abraham is a, is a significant Old Testament biblical character. Uh, he is the, the father not only of the Israelite nation, which is his, his primary purpose in the Old Testament perhaps, uh, but in the New Testament he's called the father of the faithful. And it's through his line and his lineage that Jesus comes about the savior of the world. So he is extremely important. And God shows up and talks to him here in Genesis chapter 12. And we'll read some other places here in a minute. And he makes some promises. God makes promises to Abraham. And this is what we want to recognize. Let's look at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And the Lord said to Abraham, go forth from your land and from your kin and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I'll make you a great nation. And I'll bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and those who curse you, I will curse. And in you, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And now Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So here we have God coming down and in some form or fashion, whether it was a dream or whether it was a voice or however it was, and he speaks to Abraham and he calls him. And he says, hey, I want you to leave your land. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your father's house. And I'm going to show you a new place, a better place, a, a promised land that I want to take you to. And so we see that, that he's made some promises and, and it's of course striking to us and, and certainly they lived longer than we did, uh, we do now, uh, back then. But it's striking to us that he's 75 years old when this promise is made. Uh, he's, he's lived a good long life. He's accomplished a lot of things older than most of us who are here today. Uh, but he's called to, to do this difficult thing. If you turn over with me to Acts chapter 7, there's a couple more details that are important for our story here. Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 4. Here, uh, Stephen, uh, one of the, uh, the first, uh, what we would probably call deacons, he is uh, preaching and he's been proclaiming the gospel of Jesus uh, in and around Jerusalem. And now he's been called before the, uh, the Jewish religious leaders and he's defending himself. And what he does in defending himself is he kind of reminds these Jewish religious leaders, hey, let me, let me tell you, let me walk you through the story of our people. And one of the things that he does is talk about Abraham. And in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 4, it says, And he said, Hear me, brothers and fathers, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran. And he said to him, Leave your country and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. From there, after his father died, God had him move to this country in which you are now living. Okay, so... If you'll notice, there's, there's a little bit of different details that are given here. In Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is already in the land of Haran, and, and God calls him again and says, hey, I want you to leave and go to the promised land. But in, in Stephen's account, in a, a, a passage and some information that we're not given in the book of Genesis, it says that God showed up and talked to Abraham and made the, the very same call even before he got to Haran, when he was still in the land of the Chaldeans, the, the Babylon, more, more than likely. Uh, and so there, there seems to be this call and there seems to be a, a following, but there seems to be a failure to follow through. He's called, and, and he is following, but he doesn't completely follow through. Does that maybe sometimes sound like your life? That you hold on to some things that are comforting to you? Go back again to Genesis. Let's look at Genesis chapter 11, uh, right before we were read in, verse, in Genesis chapter 12, uh, verses 31 and 32. Genesis 11, 31 and 32. Uh, and Terah... 
took Abram his son, so there's his father, Abram his son, and Lot, uh, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went out together from Ur of of the Chaldeans in order uh, to go to the land of Canaan, and they came as far as Haran and settled there. And the days of Terah were 250, and he and Terah died in Haran. So I, I want to paint this picture for you. You may or may not be getting it as I'm reading it, but let me, let me explain to you what, what is important here as we think about waiting. God appears to Abraham in Mesopotamia, in Babylon. And he says, Abraham, I want you to leave your kin. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your dad. I want you to, to go to this, this promised land that I'm going to give you. And it tells us that, that, he, that he does that. But then we go in Genesis chapter 11 and it says, well, it wasn't Abraham that was really leading the party. It was his father who was leading the party. And there's a problem there because God says, I want you to leave your kin and I want you to leave your father's household. So he, he's following, but he's not letting go of some, some things that are perhaps comforting to him. He doesn't leave his dad behind. Leave your father's house, Abram. Well, I, I, you know, I, he probably, I, I don't know what happened. You don't know what happened either. Uh, but but I, what, I like, what I think happened is Abraham received this, this vision, and he goes to his dad and says, Hey, dad, God has spoken to me, and God has told me to go to the land of Canaan. And at some point in that conversation, his father said, Okay, we'll go. And that's not exactly what Abraham said, right? And it's certainly not what God said. God said, leave your kin and leave your father's household. And Abraham says, you know, God has told me to go to the land of Canaan. And, and they have this conversation. And, and maybe it's, it's fatherly care for his son. Or maybe things aren't going, where in Ur of, going well in Ur of Chaldees. We, we don't know what it is. But he takes his father and he takes his nephew, Lot, with him. So there seems to be some question about who, who's leading this party. Who's leading this, uh, this, this, this group of people that are setting out and, and deciding to, to follow? So he is following, but he's not letting go. As we think about this, who, who's leading this? You know, you have uh, his father, Terah, who doesn't, who doesn't live very long, uh, doesn't, doesn't stop them, uh, doesn't prevent the, the move eventually. But what's the problem? More than likely, the reason that they stop in Haran is because his father is, is aging and, and perhaps ill. And they stay there until his father passes away. So, so the, the following is delayed. And then you think about not only does he bring his father, but who else does he bring? Remember, he brings Lot. Do you remember all the problems that Lot causes in Abraham's life? You know, they finally get to the promised land. Uh, and and they, they, there's some problems, right? Remember, they, they both have sheep and cattle and, and all these types of things. And, and the, the shepherds of the two groups are, are getting angry at each other. So they have to, to, they have to divide. Abraham decides in his wisdom, okay, well, let's, let's divide up. And, and you go one way and I'll go the other way. And Abraham being, you know, the, the leader and being kind and being humble, perhaps, he says, Lot, you pick. Which, which land do you want? Do you want this land over here or do you want this land over here? And, and Lot, smartly, perhaps, selfishly certainly he says i want the good land abraham i'm going to take this land so abraham has to deal with the the leftovers of this land not the best of the land that god had promised him it was promised to abraham not to lot remember he's supposed to leave his kinsmen behind but instead he brings lot not only that not only is that a problem but you remember what happens uh with with lot and 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 the city of sodom and gomorrah right Later on, uh, there'll, there'll be problems there. And, and even before that, did you know, do you remember the story that Lot is kidnapped? And Abraham has to go and rescue him? Abraham has to raise an army up to go and fight against these kings of this area? 
You see, sometimes I think that when God makes promises to us in scriptures or, or we want to do what God wants us to do, we, we truly do want to follow God, but sometimes we have problems of letting go of other things that are comforting to us. In Hebrews chapter 12, after it talks about in Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of fame of faith of all these faithful men and women that we'll get to actually at the end of our lesson, uh, you, you may remember in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. You see, I would say that Terah, Abraham's father, and, and Lot certainly were encumbrances to Abraham following God the way that God asked him to follow. You, we may not understand why. why. Why did God say, leave your father's house? Why did God say, leave your clansmen? We may not understand that completely. There is some information that it seems as if his father and, and Lot as well, his household, his whole household would have been idol worshippers. So they weren't following the same God that Abraham was following. We may not understand it completely, but we understand it clearly. Leave your kinsmen. Leave the land where you're at. Leave your father's household. And he didn't do it. What else do, happens in this story? In Genesis chapter 15, uh, we see that this promise is clarified and it's strengthened. If you want to turn over to Genesis chapter 15, let's read verses 1 through 6. Uh, so this is after they've, they've made their way along this journey. And in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham, uh, Abram in a vision, saying, Do not fear, Abraham, I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. So at some point, this is, this is some time later, they've made the journey, they've experienced a lot of different things, and God reappears to Abram and he says, I really want to reassure you, Abram, I'm a shield about you. The things, things are going to be good, I'm going to be a blessing to you. And notice Abram's response in verse number two. And Abram said, Oh Lord, what will you give me? As I go on being childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Since you have no, given me no seed, behold, one who is in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one will not be your heir, but one whom will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Now look towards the heavens and number the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your seed or your descendants be. Then he, Abram, believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And this is a verse that's quoted in Galatians uh, that talks about how he's the, the father of the faithful, that he, is, he believes in God and it's credited to him as righteousness. So this, this promise is, is clarified. No, it's not going to be Eleazar. That's not going to be the person who's going to receive all these blessings from your household. No, someone who comes forth from you, that's going to be the one who's going to be the, the heir of this promise that I am going to give to you. But there's a problem. This promise is made and you have a wife who is barren. Abraham is married to Sarai and she's, she's barren. She's never had any kids and she doesn't think she's ever going to have any kids. So what does she do? Uh, later on in Genesis chapter 16, we see a again in our minds, in our modern sensibilities, we don't understand how this would ever come about. Okay, uh, but, but Sarai, the, the wife of Abraham, probably also heard this vision, probably also heard about this. Uh, no doubt that, that Abram came back to Sarai and said, the Lord spoke to me again. And he said, it's not going to be Eleazar. He's not going to be the one who's going to be the heir of our house. No, we, we, I'm, he's going to be someone from, from, from my own body. We're going to have an heir. We're going to have a son. And then maybe she said something along the lines of, you know, he didn't say it was going to be from my body, Abram. He said it was going to be from your body. 
Whether that's what happened or not, I don't know. But she comes up with this plan where she tries to make, she tries to force the blessings that God has promised. And she comes up with a plan to give Abram her handmaiden, Hagar. And Abram and Hagar have a child together, Ishmael. And can you imagine, uh, think, think in your mind, this is something I had never thought of until I was studying it for it this week. I imagine, we know the rest of the story, so we probably haven't thought of it this way. That's probably why I've never thought of it this way. But when Hagar gives birth to Ishmael, what do you think Abraham feels? He probably says, I'm blessed, God. You finally gave me this blessing. You finally fulfilled your promise to, that, that my descendants will be great. This is amazing. He, he probably is enthusiastic. He probably thinks that the God has finally fulfilled his promise. He rejoices in this. Is it possible that sometimes we rejoice in things that we perceive to be God's blessings that in reality are not God's blessings? Could it be that sometimes when we try to force God's blessings in the way or the timing that we want them, that we rejoice and we say, God, look at what you did. And if God would speak to us today, he would say, I had nothing to do with that. That wasn't me. That was you. And maybe sometimes when we do that, our story ends the same way their story did. What happens to Hagar and Ishmael? Well, it ends terribly, right? Sarah and Hagar, after Ishmael was born, they don't get along anymore. Hagar seems to be trying to usurp the authority of, uh, of Sarah and take, take place as the, the lady of the house, the, the one who's in charge, and, and kind of just kick Sarah to the side. Later on, even when, when Isaac, the promised son, is born, Ishmael and Isaac have problems, and they're fussing and fighting, and eventually Sarah encourages, and God relents, and, and, and Abraham uh, sends Hagar and Ishmael away. It just ends about as badly as it could. But when Ishmael was born, I have no doubt that Abraham rejoiced. God, thank you for a blessing that wasn't from God. But instead was something they forced to happen. Now, what does that look like in our life? How can we know? How can we know if it's a blessing from God or if it's something that we forced? Well, if you ever have to do anything that's ungodly to bring it about, then it is not from God. She offered her handmaiden to commit adultery with her husband to bring about this blessing. And it was no blessing. If you in your life think, well, God must want me to have this, and in order to have whatever that is, you have to do something that is ungodly or unrighteous or something you certainly know that God would not be pleased with, then you can know that blessing is not from God. And God had nothing to do with it. It doesn't mean that God can't use it and still bring about good things. But it doesn't mean that it's from God either. Later on in Genesis chapter 18, as was read to us earlier, the impossible is delivered. In Genesis chapter 18, again, if you looked at verse 14 that was read to us earlier, uh, again, Sarah and Abram are even older now, even older than they have been. Uh, and, and at that point, they were already pretty much uh, past childbearing age. And, and God himself comes down seemingly with two angels and is talking with, with Abraham outside of the tent where Sarah is. And he says, hey, this time next year, your son's going to be born, the one that's been promised to you for a long time. And the impossible will finally be delivered to you. The thing that you never thought would happen would finally happen to you. And what does Sarah do? She says, we are old and worn out. There's no way. And she chuckles to herself. She says, I don't know who this guy is out here, but he's, he don't know what he's talking about. And I love what it says in Genesis chapter 18. Turn over there to Genesis chapter 18, look at verse 14. And again, I think let's, this is the same God that we serve today. 
Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year and Sarah will have a son. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Now again, for context, realize that this is 25 years later. Abraham is called when he's 75 years old to to leave Haran and and to go to the promised land. And he's promised this this lineage and descendants as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And years later, time later, he says, God, I still don't have anything. And then he tries to fix it. He tries to force his own will, his own way into God's blessings. And that doesn't turn out well. And then finally, Isaac is born. Isaac is born and the blessing is delivered 25 years later. What does it look like? To wait, to wait even with uncertainty or even to, to, to wait when you, when you expect good things to happen. What does it look like to wait as a Christian? This is us, isn't it? I mean, one day you expect to be with God in eternity forever, don't you? Yes, I hope you do. That's our hope. The hope of eternity with God, the hope of heaven, the hope of, of that life eternal. We expect that, but how do we wait for the Lord in the midst of all of these things. Remember uh, to, to let go of the things that are holding you back, whatever those encumbrances might be, and to trust fully in the Lord. Remember that uh, sometimes we, we, we try to, to force our own way or our own will into God's blessings. And when we do that in ungodly ways, we can know that those blessings are not from God. But we can also trust that the impossible can be done. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 17, and we'll close here shortly. Hebrews chapter, excuse me, 11, verse 17. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Uh, It's because of this, because of everything that Abraham went through, because of what Abraham and Sarai experienced, uh, that later on, after this promised son is is born, uh, that God asks what we would think would be ridiculous. Hey, Abraham, take your son, your only son, the one you love, and sacrifice him. Kill him. How in the world would he do that? What would your initial answer be? God, I waited 25 years for this boy. God, I I left everything I knew. My father died on the way. God, I had to put up with lots and all of his mess. God, what what are you talking about? You want me to kill my, you want me to kill my son? That would be probably our reaction. Notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promises was offering up his only son, to whom it was said, In Isaac your your seed shall be called. How did he do that? Verse 19. He considered that God is able to raise people from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he also received him back. Again, in my mind, when I read that verse, what it means to me is that when Abraham had the knife drawn, Above the altar where Isaac laid, he had already in his mind killed him, but already in his mind knew somehow God will work this out. Somehow God will make this okay. I'm going to do this difficult thing. But thankfully he didn't do it. God provided then. But, but why, why do we have that story? Why do we have that story today? Because it's a, it's a precursor, it's a, it's a, a future uh, a view of what's going to happen later on with, with Jesus. That Jesus is going to be the one that's going to fulfill that promise. Not only was God, was Abraham promised a promised land, not only was he promised a family, not only was he promised blessings, but remember it said, in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that happens in Jesus. And we see that, that unlike Abraham not having to sacrifice his son, God did have to sacrifice his son like BJ already talked to us about. How do you wait for the Lord? What does it look like to wait even when you know? 
Well, sometimes, listen, we're going to fail. You're going to hold on to things and you're going to turn back to things that you think are, are more comforting or more secure or more sound. But there's nothing more sound than God. Sometimes, what, this morning in your life, what's getting in your way of fully trusting the Lord? What's getting in your way of tr- fully trusting Him to do the things that He said? Don't force your way or your will into God's blessings and recognize that we need to wait for the Lord. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Uh, as we uh, wait on whatever it may be, whether maybe we're waiting on a, uh, a medical diagnosis or maybe we're waiting on treatments or maybe we're waiting to hear back from a, a college, waiting to, uh, to fi- figure out a, a job situation, waiting to, to wait for our, uh, our next child or, or any number of other things, many good, many difficult. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to wait for you. And Lord, that sounds really vague. Lord, we've tried to look at Abraham and Sarah today and recognize some lessons from them. Recognize that we need to put our hope and our trust fully in you. Because when we do that, then it's credited to us as righteousness. Lord, we, we've looked at it and, and we've seen how they have tried to force things in that are not a part of your plan. Lord, help us to be wise enough not to do that. Lord, help us to wait on you and to trust in you and to know that eventually whatever it is that you want for us, that you will give to us if we will follow you and do the best that we can. Lord, forgive us for our failures. Help us to be strong and follow you completely. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Somewhat contrary to what we've talked about this morning in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, uh, the prophet comes to Saul at the time and he says to him, why do you wait or why do you delay? Get up and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. This morning, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrected Son of God? Would you repent of your sins, turning away from doing things your way, and name Him as the Lord of your life, do things His way? Will you submit to baptism, calling on the name of the Lord, where all of your sins are washed away, and where you raise up and become a new creature? Listen, this morning... We have a lot of people here who are visiting with us, and a lot of you have been visiting with us for a long time. We've got a lot of people here who are members here and uh, have grown up here or, or have attended here for a long time, but for whatever reason, you haven't taken the step to become a follower of Jesus. Why do you wait? If you believe Jesus is the Son of God, if you'll turn from the error of your ways and name Him the Lord of your life, why wait? Why not this morning, if you know those things and you believe those things, submit to baptism where all of your sins can be washed away and you can become a follower of Jesus. If you're ready for that, there's no reason to wait. In a minute, Steve's going to come and lead us in another song. We'll stand during that song. If you want to come down and let us know about your desire to become a Christian, we would love to help you in that. Not only love to help you become a Christian, but love to help you on your Christian walk. And this morning, if you're interested in that, or if you're a Christian and you're not living your life the way that you ought to, and you need help, you need forgiveness, you need prayers from your family here at JA, we want to be here for you. If you have any needs, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.